Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yes, yes. Welcome to the Fresh Arsenal podcast with me, JB. And me, PB. Uh, how are you feeling? Talk to me. Yeah, I mean, what a win. What a win. It's um, It's been a long, very long time coming, that uh, that Old Trafford performance and result. Um, and as we've heard a lot already, the, a result against anyone in the top six. But I think Man United is uh, where most people would have liked that to come against. Um, it's just been, for many of us, especially our sort of era they were the um the enemy growing up yeah it's been a it's been a long time coming i think first of all i have vague memories that adamayor scored a winner off his shoulder or arm was the last time we beat them but you take yeah. it and yeah i think it's weird like especially with the younger generation of arsenal fans and and, and we are not old men but mm. it used to just be us two at the top so this is still a big fixture and it means a lot uh, even though both clubs are clearly not where they were think the dislike for United is, is, is strong within our fan base so it's always good to get one over them getting one over them at their own place is even better so yeah ha- happy days I mean we spoke after your Sunday league Sunday league victory on Saturday it was mm. a really Saturday league victory it should be called you don't sound as enthusiastic that, that is hinting towards me that you either had a shocker or or your team we, lost. Uh, we lost. We lost in the cup, mate. We lost in the cup against the top team in our league. We, I mean, it's going to sound a lot like Arsenal. We were the better team. We had, we outshot them. We outplayed them. They had five shots and scored three. Um, I don't know what the XG was. It wasn't. I don't think it was monitored for this particular Sunday league game. But the good news is that they brought a cameraman, so all ninety right. minutes will be up. Who knows, we might even start a Patreon. People want to sign up and watch 90 minutes of me playing Sunday League. I'm yeah. sure there's someone who will pay for that. So keep an we eye out. We had last week, actually, we had a, a, a cup game was live streamed um, on Facebook. And uh, I put myself on for the last 20 minutes and just <laughs> put in some horrendous tackles and 
That would have made quite good videos. Have you made a comp did you screen grab it and do a compilation? I do have a screen grab of of the yellow card incident. So, you know, if the demands there will we'll release it on pay-per-view. One of my teammates got an absolute banger and after the game we were like all distraught and uh went over into like the team huddle to have a little debrief and he just ignored us and went straight to the cameraman to make sure he got it on camera. So yeah. I might tweet that goal out. I shared it on my Instagram without any captions, so loads of people think I scored it and I just haven't got around to correcting them yet. So mm. there we go. But you know, Arsenal Vision do their do their kind of player analysis scouting videos. Who knows? We could do our just film ourselves and, and, and do do live rewatches with you all and tell us how great we are. I think we need a Sunday League segment um, jingle. <laughs> we need another well, jingle. It's funny you say that. I think as as our as our audience grows into the many millions, it'd be good if people could start sending in their own Sunday League stories, yeah, Sunday send League your videos, submissions. and we will yeah. we will read them out. We'll shout out your Sunday League teams. We will air your grievances if the manager's not picking you or if the referee had a shocker on Sunday. Let us know, and we will. Give them the abuse they deserve on air to an audience of several people. Um, mm. So yeah, that's that's all we can do. Uh, but but we will we will get revenge. So talk to me, PV. Let's 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 talk to the actual game. I know there were, you know, there were obviously big Sunday league games on the weekend. I think there were less important games taking place in the Premier League. One of which we are about to discuss. Uh, apparently, Arsenal beating Man United was in the top two games this weekend up there with with uh, our defeat what do you think of it yeah it was uh i think when the lineup came out a lot of people well on our first podcast we had a go at the lineup didn't we we, we put quite it very wrong away. very we very wrong. wrong i'm not sure anyone was i'm normally quite accurate with with reading what our test is going to do but i mean that was very left field wasn't it i mean well it wasn't it holding where i thought holding was out for a month yeah, but I think if you said he was available, may yeah. maybe we were trying to be too clever like ourselves. I think that when you, you know, it's what we discussed before, right? When you look at Arteta's behavior, what he's done, he picks experience, doesn't like rotating a lot. I think a lot of that team picked itself with hindsight. Uh, you know, we were trying to get all cute, expecting to do things he's never done before, but ultimately he went to that hybrid back three, back four. He used Saka on the left. He had a Lacazette up top and he had William on the right. So like, I agree with you. When I saw the lineup, I saw Alneni in there. I don't dislike him. I just think there's a lot he doesn't do. I was a bit apprehensive about what we would. Well, that was do. the big surprise, wasn't it? Because he played, didn't he play the whole game on Thursday? I did he? Know. I know Jacker played. He did. Was it Jacker and Alneni? Yeah, I think it was. I mean, clearly this guy's yeah. got some superhero engine on him that allows him to. Yeah. He's probably or played just another 90 today. Yeah. In the days before the game, you know, it might have been that late, just the desire that he showed on the training pitch. We know Arteta is that that type of manager. And if he saw that hunger from El Nene and maybe some things that the likes of Xhaka and, and Sabaris were doing in training, you know, there's there's little reasons that may have led to um to that selection. Yeah, and it's a funny one, right? Because I mean midfields are all about partnerships and you get the sense now that Partey's first on the sheet. Mm. And if you're gonna play with a two that's the question, right? It's who suits him best as a partner, not necessarily who's the second best midfielder. So yeah. I, it's hard to argue. And, and you saw the way they balanced each other really well um, on in the game. So look, with hindsight, great pick. I think El Nani probably man of the match. 
Um, <laughs> El Nani or Partey, man of the match, helps having you know your two best performances being in midfield. But yeah, I was I was on a grump before the game. I don't know if you saw. I, I know I need to be patient. I know you shouldn't judge until you see what the plan is. But I wasn't mm. enthused. You see, you see Lacazette and William in a front three. I think my general sense was how are we going to hurt them? How are we going to scare them? I think if you're a defensive back four, especially one that's as bad, I was going to say as not good, but as bad as the Man United back four right now, you'd, you'd be quite happy to see Lacazette and, and Willian as two of the front three, just because you know they're not going to, at least they're not going to run you ragged in behind, right? Um, mm. The reality is they pressed the shit out of them and we beat them that way. So fair play. Um, that was clearly the plan was, was to hustle them without the ball. But yeah, maybe I should have been a bit more patient. Yeah, I think the lineup on paper, why people had a problem with it pre-match was on paper, it was very negative. Uh, it was very safe, which is what, uh, you know, has been negative aspects of recent performances. And But the way we actually played um, and the way we started that game, especially for the first 30 minutes, we played really high up the pitch as you say, pressed all round, you know, our centre-backs, Gabriel was was making tackles in their half. We were really pinning them back and dominating that game high up. And it was that approach which really impressed me. I didn't expect to see it from the selections with the likes of El Nene and Willian, as you say. But we saw a very different approach. And we said it on the podcast um, on our first episode that we need to just play um, some of this football higher up the pitch. And I think particularly for that first 30 minutes, we, we did that really well. Um, it also, it, it takes balls, right? Like I think when you look at United and my fear was their counter-attacking threat, they're a phenomenal mm. counter-attacking team. I think they're a very average team, but they're very dangerous on the break and they can hurt anyone, right? So if you said to me the way we're going to do it is we're going to press them high and have our back four sitting on the halfway line and then actually going to execute a game plan that works like that, um, I would have been worried because it's brave. It, it, it's very brave. I think it helped that they had a front two, not a front three. I don't think they had a lot of natural width. And it, it, I guess a lot of the space was in behind where our fullbacks were and they just didn't exploit it. But to your point, I think the other thing is the way to stop a counterattack is stop them playing the ball forward. And we mm. did a very good job of stopping the quick passes, uh, stopping them playing out from the back at, at all. And then when they did get through, there were a lot of little fouls that were really good to see kind of the 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 pepisms coming in holding did one i think a couple of other players who just trip someone or pull a shirt back and do what you need to do to stop them countering um which is good to see because we haven't always been that street smart yeah we did see the and, and arteta made a point of it after the match as well and gabriel and holding got quite early yellow cards i think within the first mm. 30 minutes and after they picked those up we did drop off a little bit with that bravery because there was obviously much higher risk involved. Um, Do you think that's linked? Because I couldn't tell if it was like we were just knackered. Because you can't press for 90 minutes, right? So I couldn't tell yeah. if you were knackered from pressing. Or... I think the yellow cards, I, th- I think it has a big impact because you kind of need, you need a bit of license to get to make a foul that you're not going to get away with. Yeah. Um, and he's at Old Trafford. You know, you don't want to give them an excuse to send you off. And getting it so early, uh, I think, impacts how, how we had to approach it. And that's why we dropped off a little bit. And especially with Mike Dean as referee. 
Like he doesn't need an excuse to get that red card out. In fact, I'm still I'm still staggered that Gabriel didn't get a second yellow for that tackle. I, I you know, when I first saw it, I thought they were making a fuss and it was it annoys me when people are on yellows and everyone assumes the next fouls are red, but I think in its own right that probably was a yellow card tackle. I think Gabriel was lucky not to be sent off, but we deserve a bit of luck with that because I think we've had some harsh red cards in big games in the past. So I'm not going to yeah. sit here and, and complain about that. I think the only thing about it, I see what you mean, it probably was a yellow card in isolation, but I think those were the only two fouls he he was actually uh, you know, convicted for, two fouls. Mm. He, he did, a, he was very physical uh, a few times, but he, he didn't give away more than two fouls, I don't think. So in that respect, I think it would have maybe been a bit harsh. But yeah, very thankful. Fair enough. And then and I guess back to the press. What did you think of of the front three? I mean, it, I, all of them had questions about the right. Abamyang, there were questions on how wide he's been playing, getting into dangerous areas. I thought he did that a lot better. Lacazette has been probably the least popular Arsenal player on the internet for the last few months. And William's been well hit and hit and miss. I would say but it was hit against Fulham and then missed since. But I think all mm. of them justified their selection. I think. It was encouraging from all three. Yeah, I think the uh, the comparison of me to Lacazette um, maybe gave him extra motivation on on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> He's definitely one of the one of the listeners of the, that first podcast. But yeah, I think none of them were incredible, but I think they were all good. Um, even Willian, who you know that chance i know it's not an easy chance but it just it didn't make sense that he's he's hit that over and that really frustrated me because i just thought it was a perfect area for someone like pepe to to put that in mm. but i think he he we we talked about it again on the last podcast but willian does what arteta wants him to do and i think arteta would have been really pleased with what willian did in that game i think he did exactly what he was asked yeah it's 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 hard to criticise especially in the light of you know a game we've won um, but I agree with you I think I, I don't sense a lot of threat from William maybe when teams sit back against us he'll, he'll hurt them more um, but you do get more control with him I think you know yeah. you know what you're getting there's less risk and, and look, clearly Arteta wants that and especially in a team he's trying to change the culture of a team he's trying to make more solid and it's hard to say he hasn't made us more solid already you can see what William gives I think that shot was a bit of a swinger like he might have hit the bar. I don't think he called it very well. There was no shape on it. It was always rising. Um, mm-hmm. And at the same time, you know, I saw people say Pepe would have scored that. Uh, that's a great chance for Pepe. But I also got a question if we would have been able to play the way we did with mm-hmm. Pepe in there over Williams. So, you know, whilst I am a Pepe fan and I always want to see players who can just do difficult things on a football pitch is probably the way I would phrase it. I, I think, our, well, he got it right because we won. I think Arteta got the team selection right in that for that game plan, that was the right front three. Yeah, yeah, I would probably, I'd probably have to agree. So, in terms of the attack, did good. What about the midfield? It was uh, Nene was in Partey's first sort of big game uh, against one of the big teams, and over the years, obviously, we haven't won for for six years against the big big sixth opposition mm. and I think much of that comes down to a lot of our better players have often not been very good in the big games um, and it's early days of course but I think Partey what was really promising is he's shown 
that bravery and that ability to make a, a big difference in a big game against, by the way, you know, midfielders, the likes of Pogba, Bruno Fernandes, um, very expensive acquisitions for Man United. He, he was not scared and he took charge of the midfield, I thought. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, on paper, our midfield two outplayed a four, which obviously that's not how it works because Lacazette dropped in on them a bit and we had numbers elsewhere, but that's impressive in itself. Mm. Um, I think it helps having more defined roles and it's weird seeing us have a midfield at all. Uh, we've bypassed midfield for the last however many months, so it's great to see. I think they both put in huge shifts. They're both incredibly mobile players. Um, they're both secure players. Like El Nenny might not be the most creative midfielder in the world, but he's secure. You never get that concern that he's gonna, you know, he's happy to receive it under pressure, back, you know, facing his own goal. Uh, he can dribble out of pressure a bit. Um, so it was good to see. I think Partey had a had a brilliant. I was about to say debut. It wasn't really a debut, but it was his. It felt like it. Kind of, it was an I'm here performance, right? Like he was mm. so solid defensively. He loves a tackle. He loves the 50-50s and he just crunches into them. But then he's just so calm on the ball. Um, he wants it as well. Like he wants, no, he wants it as in, you know, passion. Mm. He wants the ball. He wants to play. Um, you know, when there's space there, he'll run into it. He, when he, he was like a one-man counter-attack at times, the one he nutmegged Fred, and he'll just go. So that engine was really impressive. I think El Nenny complimented him well. Uh, El Nenny covered a lot of space, but he didn't actually move around a lot. So if you look at their touch maps and if you actually look at how, how we played, El Nenny basically covered the right, kind of from, from the middle of the pitch to the right, right of the penalty box, the whole length of the pitch. And covered it well but I think when we had the ball and El Nenny was often quite static he was just a bit of an outlet and Partey was everywhere um, so Partey he'd win the ball on the edge of the box he'd lay it off he'd get down the other end and there were times he popped up on the edge of their box he popped up in a channel and El Nenny was this really nice counterbalance that meant that Partey could go wherever he wanted and probably show off all different parts of his game and have that security next to him and I think mm-hmm. Maybe Sabios could have done that, although he's um, had a couple of poor games recently and is probably a bit more of a mover than El Nenny. Like, I wouldn't have necessarily trusted Sabios to have the positional discipline. And I don't think Jack has got the legs. So, it's, mm. it's what I was saying before, where if you're picking a two and you want Partey in there, El Nenny, based on yesterday's evidence, looks like a very nice balancing act. And sometimes you need that. Sometimes mm. you need just the perfect partner who doesn't necessarily have to be the best footballer in the world. Yeah, I mean, we saw it with Coquelin and Cazorla, right? Mm. Um, and I think, yeah, I agree with with everything you're saying there. I think the key thing, um, the difference that El Nene and Partey both have is speed. And I don't mean speed in terms of uh, running fast. I mean, speed of thought and moving that ball along quickly, even just passing at pace. Yeah. Uh, with Shaka, we see sometimes just not the right pace on on his passes and it can slow everything down a couple of steps, which is, those are the margins um, in football which can can make a big difference. And we see with Ceballos, whilst he can pass pass at the right pace, he sometimes holds on to it a bit too long. Yeah. He'll do a few a few turns on the ball. Um, and El Nenny's not about that. He does the simple stuff. Uh, he can carry the ball, but as you say, 
Partey did, did most of the sort of carrying. Um, I think that Partey completed four dribbles and mm. amongst the rest of the Arsenal team, there was only Saka and Lacazette who did one each and no one else completed a dribble. So it's, we mentioned it again on the last podcast, but Partey against Leicester was not given any responsibility to, to take that ball forward. Yeah, and, and it was strange. I was I was worried about how he was deployed in that Leicester game, and I was so encouraged on on how Arteta tweaked it yesterday and just gave him that responsibility. Yeah, I mean it's a low sample size, right? It's early days, but I think one of the most encouraging things there is is just the variety he gives you. Mm. He can get it, pop it off, play passes. He plays the safe passes when he needs to. He'll play the progressive passes when he can. Like he'll pop it through the lines effortlessly. He'll float it out to a fullback. It's good variety. At the same time, he'll dribble, he'll run into space, he'll dribble past a man, he can commit players. So you're giving the other team problems that I don't think we've had with other midfielders. Jacker, he might not move the ball that quickly sometimes, but he, he's got a good pass on him. He progresses it well. But you can also leave him alone and cut the passing lanes and he gets stuck because he's not going to run through you and he's going to run into space. So Bios, kind of similar. He's probably a better ball carrier but you can probably get about him a bit more. Whereas, you know, a lot of these players, if you really want to go toe-to-toe with Partey, he'll hold you off, right? Like, he's got that strength as well to just be so secure on the ball that even if he does get into trouble, he can use his body to get out of it. Um, so it's a, it's a lot of variety, and it gives you a lot more security than the other players do. So, yeah, look, it's great to see. Um, Don't underestimate that that physical... Uh, ability of his to when we've I mean, got to break down Pogba, teams right? yeah but I, there was one I've seen a few like sort of in match of the day and at the end on uh, Sky Sports where they highlighted a few things he did they never um, picked up there was one moment in the first half I don't know if you remember he sort of picked up the ball on the edge of our own box played a pass out to the left got it back played it simple again uh, and he made his way all the way into the box and then someone tried to cut it back and he nearly got on the end of it. Mm. And then what, in a few seconds, it had gone from the edge of our box and he nearly finished the move. And I mean, it's so, that's... It's so simple, right? But like, when you, when you look back five, 10 years, I think someone shared a compilation of like 13, 14 Wenger teams. Just mm. passing the ball and moving will get you through most teams. Yeah. And it will definitely get you onto the edge of most teams' box. So, like you said, it's... It's great to see, but also it, there's a lot of things that good players do that look really simple, but then you ask why no one else does it. And it's just nice seeing a, like an adult in midfield, right? It's like we've got someone who knows how to play football again. Hmm. Um, it's a confidence. He's, he's got phenomenal confidence in his ability, in his body. He knows he's got that physical strength. So yeah. if someone's, someone's coming into him hard, he can hold his own there. He knows he's got the ball control. He's got that technical ability to to keep it close to him. And he knows he's got that explosive uh, burst of pace to get away from a player or to, I think of the four dribbles he did, one time he was dispossessed in the game mm. and he immediately won it back. And he, he, he that was sprinted the back. Right? Yeah, took it straight off Pogba. And it just flashed back to, for the millisecond that he lost it, I thought, oh God, people are going to, have a go at him if they score here you know it'll be a Xhaka moment but Xhaka doesn't have that recovery pace to get back neither does he have the the physical ability to just completely go through him but win the ball 
there were times when I was watch, like watching some of the stuff he does, and I was just like, "This is a guy you can see the Simeone coming through, right?" There was like a there was an intensity, like every fifty fifty he went into, it was like, "I know he's going to win this ball." It wasn't it wasn't like a doubt in my head that he was just he was prepared to just crush like mm. whoever was in front of him. It helps. He's the type of guy that ruin has ruined our midfield in so many games, you know, a, a player like that. Yeah. When we've been dominated, it's because the other team have had a player like that. And as you say, we've just really lacked, lacked a midfield um, yeah. for many years. Yeah. I mean, speaking of Atletico and holding your shape and knowing mm. how to kind of, I don't want to use the phrase sitting back, but, but sitting back. What did you think of, of the way we progressed into the game and, I guess after after the early pressing, we were, we kind of went to a mid block, and then the last twenty or thirty, we were quite deep and trying to play out on the break. What did you think of that? Mm. Reminded me of my uh, to go back to Sunday league segment on on Saturday in our game. We uh, just naturally, no matter what you do and what you say as a manager, um, the team will naturally, when you're holding a lead against a team that you know are, are of good quality, they're always going to drop. And they're always going to be less confident going forward. And by doing that, you end up kicking the ball straight back to them rather than trying to retain it and move mm. up as a team like we did when it was nil-nil. And I guess the, the good thing about our goal coming as late as it did was that we we dropped back for not too long. Um, because I think if we score Willian's chance or Saka's header or Bamian's chance in the first half... I worry about how the game might have gone because if we took that approach naturally for too long, it, you know, it felt like United we'd, we'd get something from a set piece. Or so, I do, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of seeing it, and I hope we don't see it when we go, you know, say we go one 0 up against Aston Villa, for example. I don't, I want us to continue to play with the confidence that that we show at the start of games, but I think Arteta knows now that we've got players who have the ability to 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 see games out now you know we've got yeah it it's funny right defenders. Like, it, it does feel inevitable i know like playing sunday league especially is whatever you do you you know the defenders just drop off an extra 10 yards mm-hmm. um, it's interesting cuz i remember arteta talking about it when he joined and that's not how city play right and i think he was talking about having that um ruthlessness to you know not just sit on a 1-0 but go make it 2 or 3-0 and then they can't come back uh, I think we need to learn that. But I also think it, it does, you know, for a couple of years, we've not been a good team at 1-0 up. I think in general, we stop attacking when we score a goal. We go 1-0 up. And, and, and sometimes you win a game like that because teams can't get through you. And sometimes you just invite pressure and, and you cannot, it's so hard to switch that momentum. Mm. So hard to switch back on the playing high, back on the pressing. So... Look, it's good to see it out, um, but I think we need to make sure we have that ability to kind of put two, three, four goals past teams when we are dominant. At the yeah, same because, time, I mean, United were there to for the taking yesterday, weren't they? I mean, we could have put mm, two or three in the first half. Um, I think so, and I think if we scored early, that's the real question, right? Do you mm. do you think we would have gone on and scored more, or? Do you think there's, you know, there's an equal possibility that we go, right, it's 1-0, it's Old Trafford, we'll just be a bit more solid. And I don't know, but I also think that 
there's a thing with Arteta, and I say I don't want to say this in a in a derogatory way, right? But everyone talks about him as a guy who learned under Pep and learned under Wenger. There is a guy under there who played a few years under Moyes, and I I do wonder if this, you know, Arteta's had a schooling in English football. He is a he is pragmatic as a manager. He you know he he's principled, but he's pragmatic, and I do think that my sense is he's quite happy to shut out games when he needs to. Yeah, I think that's there. Whether that's come from Moyes or whether that's come from just himself, I think he's he's very confident in himself and his mm. his own beliefs. And he's the type of person to have seen seen what Pep does, what Wenger does, and seen it not work think, as well. But right? that's yeah, that's not quite right. And and this is how I think we should have approached that game. And you know, he's formed his his own identity. I think um, from a blend of everything, but also just strong beliefs of his own. And yeah, I. I think I hope that when he has more faith in these Arsenal players, that we will see that sort of kill games off mentality to three nil. But I think it didn't help again what we said earlier with the the two centre backs on a yellow card. Right, we can't we can't really take mm. the risk of keeping that game in United's half with centre backs who can't make a foul high up the pitch because they'll then you know get that second yellow. So I think that all had an impact uh, as well, but. Yeah, we ended the game with most of the the ten centre backs at the club on the pitch. It felt like it was something like a back back seven or eight, wasn't it? I don't, I don't even know what formation it was. Well, it depends. If you're talking net centre backs, you've got to have the number on the pitch minus Mustafi. So I think we had about <laughs> four net centre backs on the pitch. Yeah, I mean United were just chucking players on up up top as well, weren't they? So it was a very strange. I never get minutes. that. I, but you know when managers throw on strikers to win games and just ignore the mm. fact that you've got to get the ball in the box in the first place for them to create, like for, for them to have chances. You've got to have, yeah. like if I was trying to create chances to kind of claw a game back, I'd, I'd throw on midfielders and wingers. I wouldn't be throwing on number nines. Like we did it the last game or the Leicester game, I can't remember what it was. We had like Lacazette and Ketia and Aubameyang on the pitch which is what Wenger used to do, but our, our strikers back then were more creative. Right now, it's just like, great, but who's getting the ball into the box? I kind of felt the same with United when you've got, I don't know if they had Greenwood, Rashford and Cavani on the pitch at the same time, but that's easier to defend against. Mm. I think they could have hurt us in wide areas if they'd, if they'd uh, got a couple of bodies on either side, really. I think... Tierney, um, if he's doubled up on, can we've seen him not have the greatest games against a couple of teams. Mm. Uh, and Bellerin, you know, defending is not not his best aspect, even though I think he's improved. I know. I think our fullbacks were quite high in the first half, especially. I'm amazed they didn't put Rashford kind of wide left earlier. Um, you know, I was watching it being just like Cavani down the middle, Rashford and Greenwood wide. That hurt us, or Dan James, or any of the however many regens they've got just shape wise right like ability wise they're not amazing out wide but just it, i mean Solskjaer's not a great manager and i don't think he realized where we were vulnerable having said that the one place i would normally expect us to be vulnerable especially against a team with maguire mctominay matic and all all the seemingly tall players beginning with them um holding and gabriel were so solid once we had to drop back like the physical yeah. presence that we got from those two was something I haven't seen from an Arsenal centre-back pairing for a while 
and it was it was really impressive. I don't know what you thought of the two of them. Yeah, I mean it's it's early days uh, from Gabriel. I don't want to curse it. I think when he first came in, he did a lot good, but there was a couple of sort of half shaky moments where you weren't sure if he knew uh, his positioning hundred percent. Fulham and, game at the start. Oh, yeah, first ball season. Small margins, isn't it? If he makes that mistake in that that first minute, his first season could yeah. be completely. I mean, he's different a fraud. To what we're seeing now. Yeah, he'd be he'd be forever a fraud. But I think I, I wrote a, a long piece with um, Renato off off Twitter on Gabriel, um, having watched quite a lot of him in France, mm. and that was the one thing I said about him: his positioning. Sometimes he had um, former Southampton central defender Fonte. Uh, alongside him in Lille, who reads the game exceptionally well um, and sort of tutored him through his his breakthrough season. And I did worry that with not the right partner next to him, yeah, he could positionally uh, make some mistakes. But in terms of pretty much everything else about his game, I, I knew he was incredible and, and was very excited about this signing. And I think he's showing it already. Is it too early to say that he's the best defender in the world? Because, <laughs> of course, you've got Saliba in that conversation as well. So it's a difficult one. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've not seen Saliba yet, have we? But it's very exciting to think just the sheer physical presence of both of them for their age is, and, and with party as well. You know, we've really lacked phys- physicality all across the pitch and and these types of signings are really exciting and just giving us, I think as they said on, on Sky Sports commentary yesterday, it's, it's a very different Arsenal to when Arteta took over. It's mm. taken a very different identity. You know, we're, as you just said then, looking to hold on to leads that's never been what Arsenal do. Looking to play more physical, more, more streetwise with the fouls in, in certain areas. He's given us an extremely different identity in, in such a short space of time. And it's important to remember that, you know, obviously Saliba at 19 is young for a centre-back. Gabriel at 22 is young for a centre-back, right? Like, how many centre-backs are playing every week in the Premier League at that age? Virgil van Dijk, who probably behind Gabriel and Saliba is, what, the third best centre-back in the league? (laughs) Age 22, was playing mid-table football in the Netherlands, right? So, you know, after that, he had a move to Scotland, had a move to Southampton, and then ended up at Liverpool. But you know, yeah, it's, at the it's same time, potential. it tells you, yeah, huge potential. It tells you that we probably shouldn't put too much pressure on these guys. Like, they both gonna, they're both going to have mistakes in them. Gabriel, based on the way he played, it wouldn't surprise me if he's got red cards in him. But we're going to need to forgive that. If you really want to see where mm. these guys can get to, um, you know, we're going to need to forgive that. At the same time, if he, Gabriel's kind of, the, the, the good thing about him, right, is if he stays at this level, he's already our best centre-back, right? If he stays at this level for five years, great. We've got a Premier League, a good standard Premier League centre-back who can play how he want. If he keeps improving, we'll get a lot of money for him from one of the big clubs in Spain or PSG. So mm-hmm. that shows you, you know, 30 million euros, not a small fee, but not a big gamble. That shows you that if you get that type of signing right, it's difficult. You know, you can't, it's kind of win-win in any direction now. Um, yeah. I don't want to get carried away, but I think I've seen enough of him to say that he, you know, he's a big upgrade on everything we've had for a while. Yeah, and some st- statistics from him yesterday: five tackles, which was was more than any 
any player on the pitch. Two interceptions, five clearances, one block shot, and a very impressive 92% pass accuracy as well. So mm. the complete performance from him, from him yesterday. He was he was everywhere. And I again, as you said at the start, right, I just love how aggressive he is. Like he let them know. I think he's trod on Marcus Rashford's head like five times in that game. Mm. Rashford was like crying at one point. Um, but there's something about, and you probably notice it when you play, right? There are certain players who are physical but fair, and they're the worst people to play against because they can they can bully you in a way that you kind of have they're to allowed to do. Yeah, you kind of have to cheat to get them back. Like mm. they, they will frustrate you. Yeah, they will frustrate you. They'll just they'll they'll get they'll nick the ball off your toes or they'll put a good tackle in and then just follow through a little bit and they, you know, they weigh like 200 kilos and you're going to get hurt just being tackled by them and it's all fair. And it's very difficult to combat that. And I think he's got that about him where I think he will, you know, strikers will get their heads down playing against him because he can dominate in that way. And it's really good to see. So for all the negativity around our attack in recent weeks, you know, it's, it's worth us raising the point of seven league games in. We've we've conceded the least amount of goals in the league. We've been to Old Trafford, we've been to the Etihad and we've been to Anfield. So you definitely wouldn't have seen that being the case a year ago. So no. we've got to appreciate that positivity, I think. Yeah, and look, it's the journey, right? So I think Arteta came into a dumpster fire. And I completely understand that the attack is not firing like we, you know, we thought we were playing free-flowing attacking football. But if you talk about the journey, step one was stop Arsenal conceding 30 shots a game. He's done that. Step two, get Arsenal playing out from the back functionally. He's done that. We've scored a lot of goals against teams that have pressed us well and high against good teams playing out from the back. Step three, let's start having some more kind of playing football higher up the pitch hasn't necessarily happened yet but it's getting there and you throw in the fact that there's a kind of a coherent press that has started to emerge it's encouraging and I think whilst there is clearly room to improve and I know people are frustrated about some of the attacking football and the way we create chances up the pitch blah 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 the difference between this guy and the last guy is we can see there's a plan we can see there's a journey and we can see there's progress and it's not showing in the numbers yet and you have issues like the Leicester game but there's buy-in. We can see what he's trying. We can see what the plan is. And it's a lot easier to put up with results maybe not going our way sometimes when you can see there's a plan. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, player ratings? Should we do it? Should we do it quickly? Yeah, quickly fire through. And then we'll, we'll go on to questions. We'll give, uh, give our own scores. So, uh, Leno. Nearly scored a header. Um, what's average? Oh, that- Everyone's got a different 10, 10 out of 10 I rating. I think six. It's six, six is average. An average. All right. I'm, I'm going with six for Leno. Ooh. Nothing special. I, nothing bad. Fine. Solid. I'm giving him a seven. Is that um, a ro- rosy view of the world? Well, you know, he kept a clean sheet at Old Trafford. He came for two crosses, which I think is a Leno record. Mm. There was a ball hung up, like he claimed, which I was really impressed to see. I mean, there was no moment apart from that Al Nene assist onto Leno's head where we thought that we were going to concede really were, was there. Maybe the Maguire header, we thought that might drop in, but... That uh, was camera angle. Mm. Yeah, I was never I was never scared of, of... So I think Leno deserves a seven. 
Um, Gabriel? Uh, I would give him... I feel like we need to be really uh, kind of stingy with our tens. So I'm going to give him a nine. And I think, I think the early yellow was, you know, I think it was the right place to make a foul. Um, I think he could have got sent off and I think he slides a little bit too much for my liking still, but I thought he was excellent. So nine out of 10 for me. Yeah. We'll probably learn that you're more stingy than I am throughout these podcasts. I'm going to give him a 10. And I think 12 out of 10. I think the early yellow, if anything, you know, whilst it's not ideal for a player of his age in that environment in a new, uh, new setting and, and in such a big game to then put in the performance he did after the yellow card is just even more encouraging. So yeah, I'm going to give him a 10. What about holding the partner? Going to give him an eight. Um, I, I thought he had a good game. There were a couple of times when I was worried he might get run around a bit because he doesn't quite have the legs to play as high as the others do. But um, again, very solid in the air, strong presence, uh, kind of left his left his mark on people, but not quite Gabriel. Still very good performance, especially maybe eight and a half. I'm going to give an extra point five for pushing back from a hamstring injury. We're doing half, sorry. Or only only because it's hamstring injury. I'm going to go eight as well. Mate, you could give an eight point six if you want. There are no, <laughs> there are no rules. Yeah, I'm going to go eight. I think. Uh, yeah, he look. He had a good game. He he didn't have a. a dominant display like Gabriel and, and the, the statistics will show you that and, and the eye test will show you that but he had a very good game and as you say considering he was rushed back from injury Arteta said determined to get back for this game um, he's not scared of, of the big teams is he? We've seen his performances in FA Cup finals semi-finals against Diego Costa Chelsea, Mane etc he, he has the right attitude uh, to play at the highest level Unrelated note, he did show up on my friend's uh, hinge the other day. So I don't know I don't know where she was at the time, but What I, was the outcome? I don't know if she swiped left or right, but she's a football fan, so she knew she knew who he was. But I, I haven't say, heard I haven't was heard. that the reason for his his recovery early recovery from injury? <laughs> it was a couple of months ago. But um good to see he's Was uh, that the reason for his injury? <laughs> good to see he's putting himself out in the market. Yeah, it's not the transfer. Well, good, good luck to him. Um, who's the other one? So Tierney, seven. I thought he was had a good game. Got forward a couple of times, put a couple of nice crosses in. Probably got caught out once or twice, but I think that was more because he was like pushing up a bit rather than just being done in behind. I think his positioning in general is pretty good, um, but. Yeah, look, I really like the player. It's just probably a game where I noticed him a bit less, so seven. Yeah, I'd go the same. I think, like Leno, he did his job, uh, did nothing you know, sort of extravagant, and it didn't offer us a huge amount going forward. Obviously, with the system, he plays a bit more as a central defender. Uh, but, yeah, seven is fair, I think. What about Bellerin, who we hotly debated on the last, last podcast? So... I don't know if you saw my tweet. I'd, I'd say after 27 minutes of the game, I was on about four or five for Bellerin because mm. there were a couple of moments that really pissed me off. Right? The so, foul? Or was that in the second half? Not the foul. The first one, 
was let me get this right. They they had we had a corner or or an attacking move. They played like a long ball in the air, and Bellerin like went up for the header to kind of head it clear. Well, they were all charging, and he headed it right down the middle of the pitch, mm. the path of one of their on rushing players. And then they had a counter on us that I think we managed to deal with. But it was just a really dumb header. Like either kind of put it out to the side or just trying to loop it as much as possible. But it was pretty poor. So that, that annoyed me. And then um, I told you I'm going to be fussy. Then there was one moment where we were playing out from the back and he tried some kind of diagonal pass, I think into Partey, who was in the center circle from just outside the box on the right. Um, it was a really high risk pass, kind of a lofted one under hit it. And Fred ran onto it. And again, was running straight to our box. Um, so I just don't, I think there were kind of two moves that didn't show great awareness. After that, I thought he was excellent. Um, I think Hector Bellerin in the opposition half is a different player from Hector Bellerin in our own half, even though I think his technical abilities definitely got better. He's a much better dribbler than he used to be. I still think his, his body position's a bit weird. Like he's got quite a closed posture. He's quite like rigid. So he really, he, he always plays, I don't know how to explain this, like he always plays to his left. So like if you're, I'm trying. Unfortunately, I'm, the viewers can't, can't no see video, us. Imagine you're, you're facing straight ahead. JB is dancing around. Only play to like if you draw a straight line down the middle where your nose is, he can only play to like the left of that line. Because of I think it's the way his hips move and there's like a weird technical thing going on. Anyway, it means that like there were a couple of times when William was outside him, he struggled to open himself up and play William in down the right. Off the ball, he was brilliant and his runs um, created a lot of danger. And got us into really good positions. Obviously, the, the ball for Abamyang, um, the penalty itself. I, I thought he had a really good game, despite what I just said. Um, he was dangerous, and he asked a lot of difficult questions of United, especially, you know, the way him and William doubled up on Shaw. I don't think their diamond worked well in covering their fullbacks. So I would give Hector probably an eight. Um, I thought he had a really good game. Yeah, I'm going to go. I think that's the longest one. Yeah, I'm going to go 7.5. Now we're doing 0.5s. Because the same review, really. I think he did a lot a lot good, but he had a few few moments. And on top of what you said, that there was a moment in the second half where he really didn't need to foul Pogba. He was doing some kind of seal dribble, wasn't he, Pogba? And it was almost like he was going off the pitch and Bellerin just pushed him in the back. And I think that then led to Maguire's sort of header across goal mm. that nearly dropped to Rashford. And there it's was just another a moment. Yeah, there was one good bit of defensive awareness. I don't know if you remember, there was Holden got dragged out into a channel at one point and they had a nice little ball into the box and Bellerin had kind of rotated in with Holding and cut it out quite well. Mm. So, yeah. Well, his attacking runs, as you say, for the penalty and in he's kind of got that attacking prowess back. Um, we saw it in a few games towards the end of last season and in the start of this season where he's, his burst of pace is is not quite back to where it was, but it's coming back and it's creating chances for us moving forward. So and yeah. that's important. Right and it's now. good to see, like you don't need explosive pace to be dangerous, right? You can you can just make well timed runs um at the right yeah, you know, the right angle, the right time and still cause problems. Especially when you're up against Luke Shaw. Um mm. who who you definitely don't look anything like. <laughs> really? Uh you must get that. No. I've had... It might be the beard. Maybe it's the beard. The little stuff. I've had Ewan McGregor before. So for those who can't see, 
Imagine you like you between... and McGregor. Yeah. Bullshit. No, I have. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> well, we'll let the viewers decide one day. Luke Shaw, you and McGregor. Anyway, we need to quick fire through the rest. All right. I think we've talked about them, so we just get let's go for numbers and let's just go numbers. Anything that's above eight and a half or under seven needs justification. Okay. El Nene. Uh, El Nene. I'm going to say nine. I will also say nine. Partey. I'm going to say ten. I'm going to say nine and a half. No, you. Got, I'm sorry. You got to score like ten goals to get a ten in my eyes. Um, yeah. William. Seven. I'm going six point five. La- Lacazette. Justify. You got justify. Oh, I got justify. Seven. <laughs> I. He was marginally above average, but I don't think he did anything good with the ball. Fair. So, Lacazette? I'll go seven again. I'll go seven. Aubameyang? I'll give him an eight. Got the goal. Um, I think his movement was a bit better. I've seen a little bit of criticism for that chance in the first half where... You know, Bellerin fired the ball across. If you watch it back, it was it was, it was impossible for him to be onside and get on the end of that ball. I think he made he was the run. Right. He made the run, didn't come, and then he made he kind of got onside again, and then he had yeah. to change direction quickly. It was. I don't think he could have got there. For him to get to that ball, he would have had to start offside. Agree. You know, so, or um, like a bit of whip on the ball. I mean, it was a good ball, but I, I just yeah, it just wasn't quite I, right. It wasn't there for him. So I, I would give him a seven point five. I just, you know, he got he scored a penalty. He got it, it was encouraging to see him in that position. Um, I just don't think he's threatening enough with the ball still. Like I, I just don't think he's actually that useful outside the box. Um, his link up to William for that chance was good. It was a nice little layoff, uh, and his dancing was suspect after he scored. <laughs> so my main worry was like, it's just, just like please think of the fans. If you if we go and concede two minutes after you've done this dance, it's just we won't live it down. Mm-hmm. So for an inconsiderate I, dance, I'm not I'm not kind of going to put him above a seven and a half. One thing there, though, you say he scored a penalty. I don't think we should underestimate that. You know, I know it's from twelve yards, but his penalties are unbelievable, and to have the confidence, he's it's been well documented this week that he's been on this you know barren run in the league since yeah. he signed the contract. That pressure. He said after the game he was well aware of the top six record. He was well aware of the old Trafford record. He would have been well aware of his drought. To step up, you know, it's not easy to to have that confidence. And I think we take it for granted because we've just seen it so yeah. much from him. Agree. And as a as a man who's missed his last three penalties, I understand that they there's a lot there's a large. Mental... Are they still letting you take them? Uh, so one was in a penalty shootout. Was a really good save. One was a very dodgy Sunday league pitch where it was going in it was rolling All into the bottom corner and bobbled, bobbled off the grass and the other I believe you witnessed which was at the Emirates um, and ended up in one of the stands I yeah, kind of changed my mind at the last minute and went for power and um, also interestingly it's really difficult getting the ball out of the stands at a football ground and that's another reason why they've got all these flags on the seats because right when the ball flies into the stands, it's a real pain figuring out where it is. So they've got all these little flags. The balls just run down when they go into the, into the stands. So 
there we go. You've all learned something on the pod that you didn't know. Should we should we take a break and come back for questions? You've left out one player. No, I haven't. What, the manager? Or the subs? No, Saka. Shit. No rating for Saka. Uh, it, did you think he was that bad? He didn't even deserve it. I don't know. In my head, I was going mentioned. through like we were playing a 4-3-3, but obviously we weren't. Uh, he is sort of the forgotten player in that formation because he's a half-left. He's everywhere. Half-left half midfielder. Uh, I, I'd give him... Um, I think he faded in the second half. I'd still, I'd give him a seven and a half or an eight. Um, I think for the first 40 minutes I was watching, I was just like, he's our best player. There was, he was carrying the ball better. He was taking men on. He was offering up in dangerous areas. He's just a brilliant footballer. And to be, I think he's, a, he's, he's almost undroppable already at whatever age, 18 or 19 he is, because he does so much and he, he offers us so much from a system perspective already so yeah look um i don't think his header was as easy as everyone says it was either so yeah seven and a half eight for saka i thought we had a good game i just think he plays well every week now and um, and i don't think we give him credit for how difficult that is at, yeah. at that age i think anyone who follows me will know i'm a, a huge fan of him um i would give him 7.5 just because the positive was the incredible uh, attitude and bravery to be on the ball at that age in, in that type of game and these are the players we need we need those players who want the ball all the time and he, he will never shy away from from receiving the ball in any area mm. his, his tactical awareness his positioning on the pitch is already so good you know he plays two positions in one in in this formation and he's trusted to do that I just think his as you say the header which which wasn't easy but You'd like him to do better, uh, and there was a couple of other moments where his execution just wasn't wasn't quite um, up to scratch. And you know, for for someone of his age, it's it's excusable. But I think he just brings so much expectation already. Yeah. So seven and a half. Okay, and now have we definitely not missed out anyone? Well, subs, but I don't think any sub deserves a. I can't even remember who came on. Mustafi came on. Maitland Niles came Ketia. on. Eddie and Ketia came on. I think Eddie pressed quite well. Uh, mm. Him and Maitland Niles messed one up, and they tried to take it in the corner and failed. But yeah, that was very frustrating. I was <laughs> hoping for some vintage Burkamp and Pires shithousery, but we didn't get it. I All did right. think in Ketia with that chance to race away. I know you got to go to the corner. It's kind of the, the the known thing, but it felt like he could have just got past Lindelof there. And I think if you're gonna take it in the corner, take it in the corner. He ended, yeah. like I don't know what he was. He kind of got stuck halfway in the end. He must have had the legs to get away from a centre back who's played ninety minutes. But mm. anyway, we won. Don't want to labour it. Um, yeah, I feel I feel like it's a bit harsh to kind of go on beyond that. But it was, yeah, it was annoying at the time. All right, should we should we take a break for the ads that won't be here, and then we'll come back with some questions. Yeah, we'll take a break for the space for the ads. So if anyone's listening with a with a small to medium sized business, you know, get in contact. We've got an very got reasonably priced. What is that? Email what is that account. email? Talk to me. Fresharsenalpod at gmail.com All those words spelled exactly how you would expect. No surprises. Send us no. emails, fan mail, um, nothing inappropriate but but sponsorship opportunities are welcome 
and equally in the next part we'll be answering questions which people have sent in to either of us or our twitter account which is also fresh arsenal pod so make sure you're following that and if you want your questions answered in future episodes get them in pester us all right mm. see you on a sec Welcome back to part two of the Fresh Arsenal pod. It's time for questions. We've got a quick, uh, quick fire round for you today. Ollie's going to kick us off. Ollie, you've been trawling through everything we've been asked on the internet. What yeah, is thanks. your first question? Thanks for the thousands of questions, guys. You know, very difficult for us to choose a few out of here. Um, some of them have hopefully already been addressed in what we've discussed earlier on the pod. Um, but the first one I'm going to pick out is from Curtis Goff. Shout out to Curtis. Uh, congratulations on your engagement, mate. Um, good luck with all of that. Have you, have you was... just let your mates ask questions? And <laughs> Yeah, I just put it in the group chat in the end because we Excellent. just didn't get enough through. Mate, I've got a whole list here, but you, you do you. Um, so his question is, Arteta has shown with Al Nene that anyone has a chance in this team if you work hard enough and buy into his process. Who do you think could be the next El Nene in this team and surprise us all? And it's a great point because I think in the in the off season, did anyone see El Nene starting and, and putting in a nine out of ten performance at Old Trafford? Um, well, first of all, congratulations, Curtis. I'm not going to be an arsehole and not wish you congratulations. Uh, although I might question the methodology, you know, through which you've got your question on the pod, but you know, we can. <laughs> We can discuss that as later. You tweeted day. the official account, you know. That I'm not, should be I'm the not, way it happens. I couldn't comment on speculation. Um, so it's an interesting one. I think I'm going to have to go with with Reese Nelson. I think that he's shown things that Arteta likes in the past. Um, Arteta clearly. I might be massively wrong on this, by the way. Arteta clearly, you know, was ready to let him go out on loan. He's he's happy to kind of stay and fight and he's been good in the games he's played. And in the same way that William was picked for certain behavioural attributes and someone who can play to a system and be disciplined, I think Nelson's shown that. So I have a feeling it might be him. Um, I don't know who he comes in for, but I think if we, at some point we're going to have to rest Aubameyang and stop playing him on the left and especially if Martinelli's not back until the new year, then I have a feeling Nelson might get a shot. Mm. Yeah, not a bad answer. I'm going for Sead Kolasinac. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I, I will probably... I think the answer is, even if he works really hard, he is not making it. No. There is an exception to the rule. I'm going to go for Balogun. Because I think, he, I think he counts because he was pretty much certainly off pre-Arteta and even early days of Arteta and it looks like he may have started to turn that around in recent weeks and I just think if Lacazette continues to not excel in that role mm. and Nketiah does okay but I don't think anyone can argue he does more than that um, I think Balogun has a different presence and something about him which if he shows the correct attitude to Arteta I think he will reward that and get, give him opportunities. Interesting. Interesting. We will see. It'd be good to get more of him, but also he needs to sign that contract. 
Mm. All right. So my, I'm going to merge two questions for you. Kind of similar themes. If you get to get your thoughts. Gunner 49 COYG Koig uh, says, will we sell Jacker in Jan to get our, or wait for summer? And Goon AFC at Gunner London 3 says, would you get rid of Sabios in January to bring in a proper eight to complement Partey? Feel like Sabios isn't really needed anymore. Mobility was always a bit of an issue and he doesn't make a difference in the final third. Partey kind of allows us to go attacking with our eight choice now. Impressive that he got all of that into one tweet. Um, I guess the bigger question is, do we think, you know, clearly the, the, the party thing is solved. There was an eight on the agenda in, in, in the summer. Do you think January moves are afoot or do you think we're going to have to wait until the end of the season? Well, it all depends on the landscape, doesn't it? But I think we, we might be just jumping ahead a little too much based on this one performance to say, oh, Nene was incredible. We can now let go of every other central midfield option. But I understand it. I think Xhaka isn't going to settle for, you know, playing Europa League and, and coming on for the last 20 minutes. So the signing of party does seem to indicate that we would be willing to let him go. And I think there's plenty of clubs where he'd do really well at. And I think there, there would be plenty of interest in him and we could get a decent amount of money. So look, if the interest is there, I could see that happening in January. I, I imagine Sabahis will stay with us throughout the season. I know he's not been uh, brilliant in recent weeks, but he's had some incredible spells under Arteta. And I think his ability to play uh, a few roles in that, that central midfield, and by that I mean he can play play deep, he can play as a bit of a progressor. And he also does have some through-the-lines passing, some final third uh, ability as well. So I think we've paid no loan fee and we're just, just covering his wages. So so long as he's happy with maybe not starting every game, I would envisage that we would keep hold of Sabahis. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the thing with Jacker is, is obviously there's a potential to, to bring in decent transfer fee there. So maybe, but I, I have a feeling that we're probably set for this season. Um, I, I can't see the market being back to normal in January. So mm. I think we just need to uh, work with what we've got. But you know, you never know. You never know. All right. What is your what is your second and final question for this one? Second and final question. I will go with. Um, we had a question from Carlton Guna, uh, and he says, "Do you think that we can improve our pressing game enough to challenge for the top four? Uh, he says, "Improving us to the level of of Liverpool and City." Um, will enable us to create more chances. And I guess what he's referring to there is without the creative players uh, necessarily in the team, can we, because Liverpool don't have a huge amount of creative players, but they press to such a, such a level that they create a lot of chances. Can you see us becoming that type of team? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. Um, I think we can, because I think we've seen Arteta deploy a press a few times. I don't know if we will, because I still don't, I can't really unpick his kind of philosophy enough to work out if he wants to you know, press high as a rule or only when it suits us. So, you know, I don't think you need to necessarily, I, I, well, I think to be a good modern team, you have to press well or be able to press well, but I don't think you need to do it in every game and you definitely can't do it for all game every game. So I don't know if that's what we need to do to get into the top four, but I also... 
I guess my challenge would be, I don't think there's been enough evidence to suggest Arteta wants to do it as his default tactic yet. Like, it's not, you know, when Klopp came in, it was it, it didn't work the whole time, but Liverpool clearly pressed aggressively all game as much as possible the whole time. Um, I don't know if I've seen enough to tell me that that is going to be the plan. So we'll see. But um, I think there is a fair point in saying in the absence of creativity, it showed yesterday that's probably our best way of of creating a higher number of chances against teams that, that might want to play against us. Yeah, and I think the signings of Gabriel and Partey are two players who have that athleticism to both press and recover quickly. Um, so what we saw against United was was a slightly more of a move in that direction. I don't think, as you say, we'll ever be, be a Liverpool. I think we'll be a bit of a blend of, um, of a few ways of playing but um, mm. I do and, think we can get in the top four if that's what he's asking and obviously it's a journey right so like playing with the back four helps because you have the extra midfielder bringing in you know the legs of Gabriel having Partey allows you to play with a higher back line means you can play higher up and press higher so maybe it is again it's back to that journey point you know maybe we'll get there but I don't know I think there are other ways to do it in the short term yeah so your final question. All right. So the final question of the pod comes from Robbie at Robbie 15 underscore. Uh, he says, how long will it take the FA to change the law around players intentionally backing into jumping players? I choose this one. Like with Kane's <laughs> penalty penalty yesterday. Just, uh, you know, just a thing that came up with no particular reason for it. No- nothing particularly sensitive for me to talk about. Well, you're starting a movement, aren't you, on that one? It, it generated quite a lot of interest, I noticed, on your, on your Twitter. But I think it's important, it you know, it right, if it, sometimes these things do start from, um, you know, people start calling it out because, you know, it's a clear tactic from him. Anyone can see that. Uh, and even referees getting on to, um, he's showing me, the people, the viewers can't see the, the visuals, but JB is holding up the, amount of engagement this tweet got yesterday yeah this, i mean the engagement i i call it agreement and support but we're on you know millions now four hundred fifty thousand impressions uh four thousand likes now so clearly that's you know the whole country is essentially amongst them a, must be a referee you would think in agreement there must be um but basically on top of being a massive diving cheat harry kane is now a dirty, dangerous fouling cheat um, who who seems to, you know, it's evolved, right? Like for the last few years, he's, he's managed to buy free kicks every time Spurs are under pressure by just backing into people and falling over. He's now just openly taking players out in the air and getting fouls for it. So, um, look, I think we all need to unite, maybe take some petitions to Parliament, but make sure it's on everyone's, everyone's radar that Harry Kane is going around... Um, essentially trying to injure professional footballers and ruin their careers. Yeah, and I think it's, it's fair what you said. What will it take for this to, to actually be acknowledged um, and this be stopped? Will it take a serious injury? Because it, it could be a, a very serious injury that it could cause due to the nature of the challenge. So let's hope it doesn't get to that and let's hope your, your movement uh, gives us the small margins that it will take for us to finish with Spurs this year. Yeah, look, I, I don't want to overreact to this, but I think I think he probably needs like a one to two year ban. 
feels about right. Um, you know, it's it's like a six game ban, I think, in rugby, but it's probably fair. And and Son also dived on the weekend as well, so a, probably a, a two month ban for Son and a couple of years for Kane. I think it's important to preserve the soul of football. So um, please all join together and tweet the relevant authorities, referees, uh, and hopefully we can make this happen. So I think, how long's that? How long have we been going? I don't too know. Long. Too, too long. Should we, uh, we, should, we need to feed, we need to do a, oh, I thought you'd stop. You'd pause there. <laughs> I thought we were, we should, we should, uh, we, we can, well, we can cut it now. But we should do a, a little do an outro. exit. Yeah. Do you want to, do you want to go for that? Yeah, I'll go for that. Have a little pause. Well, thanks for joining us, guys. Um, very excited to finally have kicked off this podcast uh, with our first full episode today, reflecting on that uh, very good win over Manchester United. If you're not already, follow us on Twitter at Fresh Arsenal Pod. You can also find the ads of um, both of us at Oli Quice Bates and at Gunnar Punner. Um, we will be getting this pod on Apple Podcasts. It's been in demand from from you guys already, so we apologise. But apparently, to pass the check on on Apple, we need to have produced at least three shows. So, in a couple of weeks, we'll be on Apple, but we should have this podcast on everywhere else where you'd like to listen. And you can also find our podcast and more on FreshArsenal.com. Um, but thanks for joining us and get your questions in for the next podcast. Whenever we do that, when are we doing that? Uh, Some point this year. After Moulder, are we going to cover that? Yeah. Wait, I mean, yeah, I guess we're going to have to watch. It's not like we can do anything else anyway. Not that I would have plans when Arsenal are playing, but... Um, Two home games this week, isn't it? We've got Moulder on on Thursday and then Villa on Sunday. And then we go into... Uh, the Leno Martinez derby on the weekend. Yeah. Looking forward to that It's going to be one. a lot of fun. Every goal, saying the other one would have saved it. Let's hope we get two wins then before that international break which seems crazy we're doing that at the moment again um but yeah was it, was it Ajax content. all their players have got coronavirus I think that was announced today so just sure. in time for an international break feels like they've got to cancel it haven't they but yeah two games for Arsenal this week we'll have more content for you um across Twitter and all the platforms where you'd like to listen thanks for joining us I've been Ollie PB and I've been JB cheers guys goodbye Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.